And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk, Hank. <laughs> I'm your host, Andrew Schlatt. We're a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash down and get the athletic for $3.99 a month. We have a Reddit mailbag for you guys today. Should be fun times. We've got uh, so many questions to answer. He was, I think so quiet. he was sitting on the couch completely silent i was singing to him the entire time that video was playing the second you said anything he started barking he can't hear you oh my gosh <laughs> oh off-season pods al how it goes that's okay uh, i think we have 68 questions from our friends at r oh. thunder uh before that have any you guys you have any thoughts on Either of the games last night, Philly got the win, Utah got the win. Uh, anything surprising to you? Uh, I was impressed with Atlanta coming back after they kind of got shellacked in that first quarter. That was pretty impressive. I mean, that could have just mm-hmm. been a blowout the whole game. It eventually did turn into that. But uh, yeah. I was impressed by that. And it make, you know, I'm glad that the Sixers got the win because if, if we were talking today and the Hawks were up 2-0, it would just be kind of depressing. Because I, I, we we need some good yeah. series. I'm getting worried with this Nets Bucks. I was so hyped on that series coming in, and now it just feels like it's already over. I mean, we'll see what happens in Game Three, but yeah. Um, but yeah, the more interesting game was that Jazz game, which was a great game. Again, worried early because you know these are two of the all time three point shooting teams like in NBA right. history, and while right. that sounds cool, that also means that we're likely to get at least one blowout just because a team has an off shooting night or a team shoots like 60% from three. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was going to happen last night because the jazz missed like 21 shots in a row early in that game, but it turned into a really good game. And I love some of like the, the strategy in it. Like, I think it's so crazy that Rudy Gobert puts zero pressure on the Clippers small ball lineup. Like Mm -hmm. none. I mean, you Mm -hmm. compare to the the Mav series when Carlisle makes the move for Boban to start off and how even though it wasn't like the Mavs were killing those minutes like the Clippers didn't know what to do with Boban like if he got the ball in the paint he kind of could do whatever he want he's not a great player so it didn't really matter a lot he's pretty skilled though like he's he's probably more skilled around the basket than Gobert is oh that's what yeah exactly like so much of last night, Paul George was on Gobert, and he probably is giving up like at least half a foot to Gobert, and it just didn't yeah. even matter. Like the Jazz aren't looking for Gobert. Gobert's just standing in the dunker spot on a lot of those possessions. It just kind of blows my mind that the Clippers are going to be able to do whatever they want to in the series in terms well, of playing whatever guys they want. 
Well, with it's to me, it's because my Conley's out. If Conley's in, that Gobert Conley pick and roll is deadly. And I think because they don't have that weapon there, it looks a little bit different. Uh, so I would say a lot of things bode well for the Jazz after just this one game. And obviously, one game you can't overreact, but they win the game without Conley. That's that's a really good sign for them. And then they they win the game shooting only 34% from three. You know, that's, yeah, that's I mean, those are like two like pretty good signs so far for Utah. Uh, not to say that the Clippers can't come back and win. Obviously, they were very resilient in the first round against the Mavericks, but this is a much more talented Utah Jazz team. Like they have they, they go deep. They have a you know, a guy off the bench they can really count on, Jordan Clarkson, and their starting lineup is solid uh, throughout. So I just, I don't know. This is this is a different a different animal, certainly. And they and they can def- actually defend the interior uh, without like the Mavericks had to basically give up all the foot speed they had in order to defend the interior, and the Jazz don't have to do that. Yeah, and and Mitchell was incredible, and he's been incredible in every yeah. playoffs he's been <laughs> going back to mm-hmm. the uh, OKC series yeah. a long time ago. Um, but yeah, getting that win without Mike Conley, it, I don't know if it was like a must win, but they really they needed that because they were in it. Like if they had mm-hmm. if they had gotten that close to winning that game and then lost it, I think it would have been really deflating. Um, because you almost feel like they stole one by not having Mike Conley and being able to win. And also, you don't know when Mike Conley is going to be back. So now right. you feel like you have a little bit of room to like if they drop game two and he's back game three, you still feel good about the Jazz. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun setting. It was cool seeing Dwayne Wade on the sidelines. I asked on Twitter, and I want you to answer this, Andrew. I asked on Twitter Uh if you could pick any random NBA player Mm -hmm. to become like a part owner of the Thunder and show up and be on the sidelines for all their future playoff games, who would you pick? So they they can't really have any connection because there's not really a connection between Wade and the Jazz, like even during his playing career. Like I don't remember any famous Jazz games with Dwayne Wade. There was some the uh, name the name that was thrown out that I liked the most was Rashid Wallace. Just like <laughs> no connection whatsoever to Oklahoma City. <laughs> uh one that would be like the coolest that I would be like the most hyped for is like maybe Kevin Garnett. Yeah. No no real connection. No, n- none. And he you know, he's tried to get Minnesota. Obviously, he has like big time connections to Minnesota, but maybe he's like, like, screw that. Let me let me go get get with this organization that does a better job, blah, blah, blah. And then and that, that kind of you fits have KG the, there would be so that, cool. That fits the Dwayne Wade mold where it's like, why yeah. didn't the Heat lock this up? Like, why would you not want what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Wade representing your franchise for the next, you know, three decades. Like, what is this? So, yeah, I think he would be Kevin Garnett would fit that mold. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be it would be very cool to just be walking around pregame. I mean, I assume relatively soon we'll be able to walk the court again before the game. Uh hopefully that's the case. Uh and KG will just be there. That would be awesome. That's never happening, but that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh I saw that uh 
Paul George had his 21st playoff game shooting under 30% wow. last night. And it was a, it was a good bookend to the last time we watched Paul George in Utah, which yeah. game six long time ago. I forget. I think true. he shot like two of 16 in that game. He was two slight- 16. I just laid an egg and was, had no interest at all in being involved in the offense. Like he was just out. Like he's just he's standing so far back that like they like why would you pass him the ball? That's I think the question that he wanted them to ask themselves. And then he was slightly better last night. I mean he put up twenty and ten, but he was four of seventeen from the field, which is brutal. I uh yeah. he, he'll be better. He's been better in this playoffs overall. I mean, yeah, it is it fine. is not it is not last year's Paul George, but last night was an example of that. Yeah. Just to see so many of those shots were like wide open or they were shots where it was like, why are you taking that shot? Like they mm-hmm. and and I've I've been hard on Gobert, but you can give him credit for this that we didn't see the Clippers driving the basket like they did in the Mavs mm-hmm. series. Like you didn't mm-hmm. even see a chance for Gobert to really contest a lot of shots at the rim because the Clippers just weren't even trying to get yeah. there. So yeah. I can give him credit for that. Yeah. It's it, it's just funny. I just I can't. We'll never not think about the playoff P stuff. Oh, you don't see playoff P yet? You guys haven't even seen playoff P yet. It's like, yeah, playoff P is like average regular season P. <laughs> that's, like, that's what you are. Average P. <laughs> average P. Oh, so, who, who are you rooting for in this series? Because I am clearly rooting for the Jazz, even though I do not like the Jazz. I do like Donovan Mitchell. I like Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of helping me through. Not a fan of Rudy Gobert, if you haven't been able to tell. But I just think the upside yeah. for the Clippers losing is too great to really worry about the Jazz and my feelings about them. Yeah, I think as Thunder fans, we should be rooting for Utah. For lots of reasons. One, the Clippers picks is like the, the easy one. Uh, and then they're a small market. You know, small market success uh, is something that we should root for collectively, right? But there is just something about this Jazz team. It's it's a, it's almost like everything about them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Gobert. It's their fan base. It's even like the Utah Riders are like some of the more Homer Riders in the NBA. I mean, you see like prominent like the prominent utah writers talking about the referees all the time on twitter and you're just like come on guys well and that's largely i I don't want to say largely but that's a big piece of why people are bothered by rudy gobert yeah because the way he is defended is like so annoying yeah. Because it it, re, it it comes from such a condescending tone of like, well, you're not watching the game correctly. You you don't see yeah. the things that we're seeing. And yeah, I think that's a does. big piece of it. Yeah. Let me tell you about a stat that you've never heard of. And you <laughs> and maybe none of us are using it correctly, but let me tell you how good they are in it. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. Like we can't just watch the game and understand it. It's yeah, that level is is very, very annoying. Because Thunder fans, we like dumb stats, you know? Triple doubles, triple doubles, triple double. round numbers. Just let good me look enough. at the box score to tell if someone was good. Yeah. Just let me look at the box score. That's all we need. Uh, Alex, the NBA lottery is 13 days away. Mm. And 
I'm getting I'm nervous. I'm just nervous. How are, are you are, how are you feeling today? Are we gonna are we gonna live stream during it? You know, I've just come to the conclusion that like we probably need to have a lottery party. No, don't do that. I'm pretty sure we're gonna do it. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna regret it. It'll either be Why? the best party ever or the worst party ever. I know. So I feel like that's we need to be together collectively for oh, the man. for the lottery party because because we just we need each other more than ever. Okay. Well, good luck. It's kind of how I feel. I'm gonna be uh, cooped up. I won't even be watching on my main TV. I'll probably be watching on my laptop, huddled away in my room, in your closet on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> all the all the lights turned off. <laughs> uh, here we are. Thirteen days, nine hours, thirty five minutes, and two seconds, one second, zero seconds uh, until the lottery. Let's take a let's take a few spins. See where we land. Five and oh, four, five and six. Okay, five and six. Not too bad. That would I would be pretty excited about a five and six outcome. Yeah, yes. anything where you get two picks in the top eight, I think we're going to be excited. Even if we got that eight and five, I would still be excited about that. Yeah, yeah, should be. Uh, next one, five, five and, and seven. seven. Fine. Yeah, that's Fine. you know what, acceptable. Great. I'll accept that. I will accept that. Uh, two and five. Wow, Ooh. this is Ooh. this is on lots fire. Of, of getting. Houston has lost their pick in every spin. This is great. We're gonna end there. I can't end that kind of. I can't. End you don't attempt fate and keep going. I re- I really don't. Somehow that has something to do with the actual lottery, and it I does. just can't. I can't do it. All right, so. Let's go ahead and answer some questions, Alex. This is from, uh, let's see, Crackajacks412 on Reddit. Does the history of some bigs hyped up pre-draft and then it looks like a bit of foolish after the fact when the perimeter players are drafted after them? Examples... Odin Durant, Aiden Luca, give you any pause about taking Mobley at two over Suggs slash Green if the Thunder land there? Or are you confident enough in him to take him there? It's a good question because I I do think it's one of those things that I believe like 90% of the season and then you like fall in love with a big and you completely throw it out the window. Even though it does feel like we've been taught this again and again and again, like if you're mm-hmm. going to take a big guy high, you better be like really confident that he has a, a variety of skills and that you are not just taking someone who either could potentially be played off the court in the playoffs or just who won't matter as much in the playoffs. I think, and, and the, like the classic example was Jaleel Okafor going top three yeah. in that, in that draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Mobley has enough potential in terms of a variety of skill set. You know, if he could develop a three-point shot, if he his his passing is the thing on offense that gets me most exciting, excited, and I'm I'm into his defense. So I don't know. It would be really hard, and it's one of the reasons why I started like leaning towards Jalen Green at two, if that was the option. I don't know how I feel yet about Suggs versus Mobley. 
Um, do, do you still have Mobley ahead of him? Not necessarily. Uh, I, if he can shoot threes, cool. I, I just... I don't know that I can pass up what could be a really good perimeter player for a big. I just don't know that I can in this NBA. I don't know that Mobley's going to be a Jokic and level player. And that's the only way that I would take him number two is if the evaluation right. from the Thunder is that, hey, we believe he can be a top four or five big in this league. And if that's the case, then yeah, take him. Take him. But if you think he's going to be like the the 10th best big in the league or like the 12th best guy, which is still good. Like, that's great. Like, he'll, he maybe will have a chance to make like one all-star team or something like that. Like, that's cool. And he won't be considered like a failure if you take him. But the stuff that Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs can do, like, I don't, I don't know that I would do that. I mean, the Uh, problem is like anyone who's taking Mobley in the top two or three, they believe that about him in the same way that like the Suns believed it about DeAndre Ayton. I mean, there's no way they drafted DeAndre Ayton at one thinking like he'll probably be like a 10 to 20 ranked center in the league. Like you don't draft bigs that high just because of that. I think there have been drafts where you could say that, where they're just drafting because they're big, like uh, like the Alex Len draft. <laughs> that yeah. was the first one that popped into my head. Where it's like, does anyone really believe Alex Len is going to be like a top five center? Probably not. Yeah, or even but, Okafor. Like you mentioned Okafor. Like, yeah. And the, and the good thing you mentioned Okafor, the good thing about that is that when, we, when even back then people talked about Okafor, like he's a throwback big. If anyone ever says that, don't take them in the lottery. Don't do yeah. it. Do not. Do or not just touch that player. Yeah. Just don't take them. Yeah. I mean, if you're at like 33 and you think they're like crazy talented, like who cares? You know, but if you're in the top five, don't do it. And the good thing about this, these top five guys is that they they all project as very modern players. You know, every single yeah. one of them. So that is great. I, I can obviously I think there's a chance that one or two or more of these top five guys don't really pan out in the league. But also I see a path for all of them. Like the path is there for every single one of them. And the guy that and Mikel and I are gonna break this guy down tomorrow, but the guy that I'm like feeling more sure about than anybody else is Jalen Suggs. Like I just feel I feel more sure about him than just about everybody. Uh, he's got, I mean, he has all the intangibles. I mean, they're, they're all there. Like the stuff you worry about, like a lot of times what happens with these top five guys is they don't have the work ethic. Like they have all the talent in the world and they don't have the, the drive. Like you talk about Wiggins, you know, if, if Wiggins just had all the intangibles, Wiggins is a top 10 player in the league. Like he makes all NBA. He doesn't have it, though. Uh, Jalen Suggs has it in spades. So, I mean, that would be... That's one of the reasons why I think he's... And, he, and he's crazy talented, too. Like, he's got... Like, he's the whole package. Um, I think Jalen Green's not too dissimilar. Uh, Evan Mobley, I just have questions about that kind of stuff with him. Because he kind of fades in and out at times during the game. Like, you watch him, and he will disappear. And those are yeah. the kind of things where I'm like, 
I, I don't know. Like, here's the thing: like, Jokic and Embiid never disappear. <laughs> Those guys never, ever disappear. They're making an impact on the game all the time. Uh, so is Jalen Suggs. So is Jalen Green. So that's where I'm just like, okay, like I'm not. I I probably am only taking Mobley if it's at like three or four. I wonder if if there's any good examples of guys who have had that uh, like disappearing act flag thrown on them who actually turned out well. Paul George re- was like that. Paul George was like that. Oh, really? In college. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember it about Wiggins, that being the big thing. Because it's one of the scarier things to me. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes guys come in so hyped into college that, like, for whatever reason, we ignore that part of it, like them going yeah. in and out of games. And it's just like, well, he's still really good. Maybe it was just a college basketball thing. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say that about Ben Simmons, his yeah. time at LSU. And also, yes, and it's also like still, still kind of doing it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> maybe the, maybe that that's a huge red flag. Yeah, it, to me, it's a huge red flag. But the talent is there. I think he'll shoot it at the NBA level. I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, the percentage isn't great, but like the the touch is there. I just don't. I, I would be floored if he was not a at least decent three point shooter at the NBA level. Um, he's got he's got the whole package. So he's got yeah he has everything you want. You just need to develop that part of him. And I think the Thunder are a good organization for him to go to to at least try to get that done. All right, we've done one question. We're 20 Woo! minutes in. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, like underscore A underscore Bloss. What would you realistically have to happen for Presti to give up SGA this offseason? It'd be really tough because the type of player that Shea has developed into is the type of player you're hoping that Cade or Jalen Suggs develops into. And maybe for a lot of people, it's it's still a year early for that because we still only saw Shea do it for what less than half a season. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw enough where like I'm all in on Shea, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think that his ceiling is that much lower than Kate's. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody else asked about like if if you could trade Shea for the number one pick and get Cade. I think the only reason you would do that is if you think like, oh, this extends our tanking a little bit more and maybe it puts us in position next year to get like a Moni Bates or whatever. But or you uh, believe or you believe that he's Luca. Right. Yeah. And I'm I personally am not there with Cade thinking he's Luca. I think he's the best player in this yeah. draft. But again, like I think Shea is I, I think we should think of him as just as good of a prospect as Cade Cunningham. So it would be really hard for me to give up a player like that. It would have to be yeah. one of those. It would have to be like for a Luca. Like I, I don't want a ton of picks at this point. Like even if you somebody like, let's say Orlando, cause they, they could have two top 10 picks. Let's say they had like mm-hmm. number one and number eight. Like I'm not trading that. I'm not trading Shea for those picks. I'm not trading him yeah. for two top eight picks. I already know what I have and he's super young and he's going to be locked up as soon as he signs his next deal for another half decade or whatever. So even if you, even if you had three, I say you had three and you got one and eight too. I don't, I don't think I would do it. 
Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to think really hard about that just because like the whole point of getting picks is to try to get guys who are as good as Shea or better chances of you getting someone who's better. I feel like that, that window is shrinking by the day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree that Shea can do that. I think that Cade has a higher upside than Shea. I think the sh- like the the long range shooting stuff is like really intriguing to me from Cade. Um, so I'd have to think really I'd have to think really hard about that and have to really rely on like if I'm a team I'd have to from the Thunder I have to really rely on the evaluations there. You know. Yeah. I also don't think Orlando does that, so I don't think that's really even right, a conversation. Right, right. Like I don't think Orlando's I don't think Orlando would make that evaluation and say like yes this is worth that um i may even say yes to that like one and eight especially if the thunder already have three and you feel like you can get do like Cade and suggs and whoever you like at eight like that's something and then you probably are not good next year and then you get to go back and dip back into the get like the six pick and the following draft um I probably say yes to that trade, but I also think that's way too much. I think that's way too much to give up um, in that kind of scenario too. So, but yeah, it's gotta be that or it's like the thunder get the seventh pick in a seven and 18. And you're like, what's the, like, where, like, where exactly are we going? <laughs> and then like, I could see, I could see a scenario where they take a look at everything and say like, we, we, the path to us becoming an elite team is, is no longer there, you know? And it's, it's elite team or bust for us, you know, like that's, that's it. And because Shea is going to make us too good, you know? So like we need to trade if, if the trade is open, like, yes, we will trade the number one pick in the draft for, for SGA. Okay. It's, it will allow you to take a step back while also having a higher, higher ceiling. So I could, I could see that scenario playing out. And I, I also, also just, I also just don't think that, that the, the, whoever gets the number one pick is not trading it. And they're definitely not trading it for Shea. I just don't think that's yeah. happening. But if, if I were the thunder and I didn't have a top five pick, I would consider it and, and also probably do it. Yeah, I was going to say the the other side of this is are, do do the, does the rest of the league like Shea enough to trade a number one pick or even a number two pick for him? And I don't think, I don't think that's so. the case. Yeah, yeah, I really, really don't think that's even an option. But those are some scenarios where you could see it happening. Is it going to happen? In all likelihood, no. And um. Some people may extrapolate this and say that I don't think Shea is a great player. I think he's a great player. I mean, go back and listen to lots of other things I've said if you want to uh, extrapolate this and say that I want them to trade him. I don't want them to trade him. However, I do want the Thunder to be a championship contender someday. Like, that's what I want. And so if you want to be mad at me about that, cool. All right. Uh, Okay, see, Jim, one. Uh, I'm of the opinion the Thunder should not add any vets until they have their core. Let their young guys raise the floor, so if our draft picks end up bust, 
went stuck in the middle because we traded for vets too early. What do you think? Uh, I think it depends on who the vet was. I mean, vets can have multiple roles. So, you know, you guys were talking about Porzingis on Mm -hmm. Monday and we've talked about Kemba in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't even want to go to the place where I'm thinking about them fitting in with a future Thunder team. I'm honestly thinking about them more as trade chips for a potential larger deal in the future. Um, Cause I do think that comes into play at some point, you know, we kind of have Al Horford's contract right now, where if you did want to make a big trade, you could use Al Horford's contract. Um, but that only has two years left on it. And so trading for someone like Kemba or Porzingis who have extra years added on, like they could fill that role. Um, and then you could see what happens. I don't know. I There aren't any vets out there that I like necessarily want to add to this team immediately and give them a ton of minutes because we're still trying to find out what are we going to do with all these young guys? How do we feel about all these young guys? And so unless we're ready to make a playoff push, I would rather invest those minutes into guys we don't really know about yet rather than giving yeah. that to some kind of veteran. Unless it's like someone who's really, really good. And I just don't think that's happening this year. Yeah. I tend to agree with with this question questioner. But also bring just, back bring back Mascala. There's a veteran. Yeah, I, I, I think what he means is like make, adding a, a starter to the team. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I agree. I don't want to add anybody that brings us to the middle. Like Mascala is not going to do that. Bring him back. You know, I think, yeah, they're going to have yeah. veterans. They're going to have veterans on the team. That's going to happen. But we're talking like the perk trade or the Paul George trade or the Oladipo trade or something like that, you know, kind of yeah. level of a deal where it's just like, Oh, okay. Like, it's much, on. it's much easier when you've established a core, you know where your weaknesses are and then you can target someone rather than targeting someone and then building around like a 25-year-old veteran. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Shouts to Casual Kind of Ho, who asked about the Shea trading up to one, but we've already discussed that. Uh, Let's see. Different underscore safe underscore seven, nine, eight, one. Wants to know. If the Thunder land a top three pick, how many picks are you willing to add to move up to get Cade? I mean, as many as it takes, but it's not, there's no, I don't know if there's an amount. Yeah, if you call Cleveland and, and you have the third pick, you know, hey, we'll give you seven first round picks and ours. <laughs> They'll be like, no. <laughs> I don't know if they say no. I think they like fumble the phone and drop it. Just like what? <laughs> like it's just such but, an absurd amount. Even then, like, what pick could we give them that is a better asset or or has the potential to be a better asset than the number one pick? I don't know. I don't think there's one. None of these future picks are like. Even, you know, when Boston had, like, the Kings pick or they had the Grizzlies There's pick. There's no guarantees. Yeah, I get it. But still, don't, seven, don't, seven is wild. Seven is wild. I don't think the Thunder offers seven, first of Even all. if they like, did, I, just, I think a team would turn it down. The, the value of having a number one pick in a draft where everyone agrees who the number one pick is 
is just worth more. It just is. Especially for a team like Cleveland, who's been bad for so long since LeBron left, taking another step back when they could just bring in a guy like Cade Cunningham immediately, like give a jolt to their franchise. Like it's just not worth it. I, I, I guess I don't, I mean, to me, there's not, it's not a guarantee. Cade is the best player out of this draft. I would say like number one, uh, we've seen a history of this. I mean, the, the Celtics traded the number one pick for one additional pick and the third pick. right? Right. Um, so, Yes, seven is wild. It doesn't really matter the caliber of pick. It's still wild. Um, and also, like we know that first-round picks used as NBA currency are very valuable. So if you're trying to build a team, having those picks is not just about what they become later. It's about the value that they hold presently, right? And holding any kind of Houston pick is valuable, you know, and it will feel more valuable probably than perhaps it conveys, you know, at, at the draft, you know, but even, don't know. even those picks we can, you know, right now, none of them are ever going to be a top pick. We know that right now because of the protections. Sure. sure. Even with the protect, even with protections, they still hold quite a bit of value. Right. Say. But none of them are ever going to be as good as this current year's number one pick. Yeah, but you get, but it's about getting multiple bites at the apple. And perhaps they, and it also depends on the evaluations from the other team, right? Whoever it is that holds it. If it's Cleveland, yeah. if it's Orlando, if they're like, the difference between Cade and Suggs to us is like Cade is just a smidge better. Like we just like him just a little bit more because he's bigger. But the but if we can get Jalen Suggs, who we believe is a starting level, all NBA, you know, future all NBA type of talent, Plus, add additional assets so that we can actually build out this team. Like that's that holds a lot of value to us because we just want to make the playoffs. It also depends on like the goals of like each franchise too. Like, what's the fastest path for us to make the playoffs? Like, perhaps it is having a starting caliber point guard plus assets so that we can build out this roster faster. It's I mean, it's just all about it's all about team goals. It's all about evaluations. You know, for Boston, it was about the evaluations too. You know, they knew that Jason Tatum was the best player in the draft. Hardly anybody else had that evaluation. <laughs> you know, it was all about Markel Fultz heading into that draft. But also, and, I, they don't do that trade if Philly lands at six. You know, like a big piece of that is that the p- sure. pick they got was such a good asset that sure, they sure, knew sure. they were going. That's why, like could, this, this only works. Yeah. This only works, yeah. If OKC lands at two or three, I think. Well, that's the question. If they get a top three pick. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's unlikely that a team would trade the the Cade pick, but also it's dependent on so many things, evaluations, team goals, stuff like that. How much would I be willing to give up? I'd probably give up three first-round picks and the third pick to get Kate. Is probably, like, that's probably what, I think, Max, I would probably want to give up for that. Yeah. Um, let's see. This is from at BigDizzle123. Do you think the Thunder could benefit from a rebranding in light of the Chesapeake uh, Arena name situation? 
and our rebuilding phase, I think it's a good time to completely rebrand. Yes, always. Yeah, they definitely should. Show unless me it's something a bad new. Rebrand. <laughs> unless yeah, it's unless a bad it's rebrand. unless it's bad and we all hate it. <laughs> right. Unless they model the uh, the new logo after the the Pringles logo. If they're just going after more chip logos, then uh, I would then no thanks. I would love to see them uh, simplify their color scheme because I think there's like five official colors for the Thunder. Yeah, just get rid of three of them. <laughs> I, yeah. I I would I would just like a simplified approach, like a lot of teams have done. I feel like when the Thunder originally designed it, they were just trying to satisfy everyone like oh we got to get a little sooners colors in here we got to get a little cowboys colors in here oh we got to do something for the sunset it's like dude just make a cool logo (laughs) like forget (laughs) all that stuff i don't care what it means i just want to wear it (laughs) and it looks cool Uh i I do not care that it it symbolizes the hard working uh, vigor of the Oklahoma City people as they go out. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. No, I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody dresses to uh, <laughs> exemplify the hardworking nature of their city. Yeah. Oh, I'm wearing this logo because it shows my resiliency. It shows the resiliency of my community. <laughs> like, shut up. Oh, let's uh, let's take a break. Let's go to the stream before we answer more questions. We're gonna have to rapid fire some of these out because we uh, we're we're not that far in, and we are far into the pod. So we have Twice God from Altus, Oklahoma. We have Abdallah from Egypt. Whoa, shouts from Egypt! Wow, this is great. So cool. Falk in Denmark. Uh, we have Chad Scott coming all the way from Yukon, Oklahoma. We have Sam in Tempe, Arizona. We have W Rose 27 in Lexington, Kentucky. Very cool. Uh, Yoni in Israel. What's up? We'll check in Poland. Jay in Tasmania. Is that real? Wow. This is a really awesome pod here. Uh, Jake in Kansas City. We have uh, Joel Angel in Antarctica. This That just blows my mind every time. Kevin in Dallas. Uh, we have Steven in Phoenix, no longer in Utah. Thank God, he says. <laughs> he said, Utah is the worst. Glad I'm moving. <laughs> oh, Phil in Paris. We have Jamie in Mexico. We have Christos in Greece. Uh, we have Jason in Los Angeles and Christopher in from the Outer Banks. Wow, this is this is quite a crew here we have in the stream. Uh Thanks so much for listening, and we will be right back after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
And we're back after that quick break. Alex, let's go back to our R Thunder mailbag. Uh, Robin Soa7 wants to know what you think about Cam Reddish. Would you trade for Cam Reddish? Mm, probably not. Yeah. Same. There's going to be so many young guys on this team next year. Cam Reddish is going to seem so old at that point. Won't even be. Yeah. Like if, if we were a team like Houston, for instance, where it's like, yeah, bring in any young guy I would be excited about. If I was a Houston fan, sure. yeah, trade for Cam Reddish. That sounds awesome because we just want young guys. In the case mm-hmm. of Oklahoma City, it's like, man, there has to be like significant upside here. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't seen it from Cam Reddish yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge Cam Reddish guy. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of out on that. Maybe he's good. I don't know. Hopefully he can be good somewhere else. Uh, Thunder, 30-29. Deal or no deal, Alex? Schaefer Woo! LaMelo. Deal or no deal? I was at the Wildwood Boardwalk, Andrew, uh, mm. when I went on vacation, and I went into an arcade. Mm. And I, I spent all of my money playing Deal or No Deal. One of my one of my favorite game shows, Andrew. I'd love to be on Deal or No Deal. I don't think it's on anymore. What was the deal? <laughs> what did Schaefer you ask? Lame- Schaefer Lamello. <laughs> no deal. Schaefer Trey. No deal, but I would understand it if they did it. Schaefer Zion. Yes, deal. Oh, I really? Yeah, I would do it. Wow. Yeah, I just think uh, I think Zion is transcendent. Um, he is one of those guys who, when you watch him, he like is playing basketball in a completely new way that I just like have not really seen before. In the same way that like Steph Curry in 2015, where where it almost feels like they're breaking the game of basketball, and I will always yeah. trade for those guys. And I think Zion is one of those guys who has broken the game. And so I would trade for him. Yeah. And hopefully the Thunder could put a better team around him than the uh, the Pelicans have thus far. Yes. Hey, Andrew, if you were on Deal or No Deal, what number mm-hmm. case would you choose as your initial case? Uh, 11. 11. 11, case 11. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from at Kevin Anil. This is just kind of a funny question. What is Vic Krejci's ceiling? <laughs> no idea. How could you <laughs> no. possibly answer this and be serious? <laughs> I don't know. Vic <laughs> Krejci's ceiling. We didn't know who he was a year ago. I still yeah. don't know who he is. He just he tore his ACL. He's coming back from an ACL injury. Yeah. All, all we'd be basing this on is like clips from a gym that he has shared on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would if I had to guess right now, I would say he's maybe like one of their two way players next year. Yeah. And and we don't see him in a Thunder like on the Thunder. Yeah, I think ideally he gets to play a lot for the Blue next year. That'd be right? great. And we can find out what he is. Mm-hmm. I think that's the ideal scenario. Ceiling? Hey. Uh, more well-adjusted Kyle Singler. How about that? Wow. Who is... We're still paying. I was looking at the uh, hoops hype salaries. He's still got two yep. years left. That's great. Money coming in. million a year. 
Good for Kyle. Good for you, Kyle. Uh, and then he says, chances of OKC drafting Mobley and possibly trading to get Scotty Barnes. Seems like we are loaded at guards and need forward slash bigs. Um, like, what, what do you think of that as just a front court pairing? Does that front court pairing make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it does. Uh, Barnes is this kind of multi-tooled forward play probably both forward positions, probably more of a four, but multi-tooled, not going to score a ton. Mobley's should score. He should be a 20 point per game score. So like the, and then they can kind of cover for each other. The good thing about it is like, they're both good defenders. So like you don't need to stress about that. Yeah. So I like the, I like the idea. I would also argue like we're not loaded at any position, like loaded, like not loaded. Like we're not loaded at any position. That's the crazy thing about this roster. I was actually going through it um, because there are just so many guys, like non-guaranteed deals for next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Deck, Roby, Moses Brown, Charlie Brown, Tony Bradley. Like all five of those guys could or could not be on the roster by August. Yeah. The only guys who are really guaranteed are Horford, SGA, Bays, Dort, Poku, Teo, Ty Jerome. And then I think, Kenrich Williams is likely guaranteed. It's a team option. Definitely. That's eight guys right there. You can only have 15 on a team. I haven't even brought up Svi and Muscala, who are free agents. And we have five picks. Even if you're conservative and say, oh, maybe they consolidate a few, I still think we're coming out of this draft with probably at minimum three guys. Mm -hmm. And I think that's especially true if we get two top eight picks or whatever. We're probably coming out with at least three guys. So you add those to the eight guys. We're already at 11. Now you have four spots and then you're two, two ways. I, there's just, it's going to be crazy, Andrew. Yeah, it could be a very wild summer. Uh, let's see. Niche mode wants to know when Shay and when Shay had Horford, it seemed like he had more space to create than with Moses. Do you think Mm. Preston would look for a shooting big? For the next era of Thunder of B ball. I mean, I th- I, th- cert- <laughs> I certainly think it would help because we know that one of Shea's or his elite skill is getting to the rim, driving to the rim. You don't necessarily want a big traditional big making that any more difficult than it needs to be. So yeah, and maybe that's one of the appeals of of Mobley. Um so yeah, long term. I think it'd be great. I still would like to see more pick and roll with Shea and a really good rim running big just to, just to get more data on that. Cause mm-hmm. we just didn't, we just didn't get a ton of it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that makes sense going forward to have a, a shooting big and maybe that's the appeal of Mobley that he kind of gives you best of both worlds where he is projects to be a good defensive big, but also has the potential to stretch the floor. Yeah. Makes sense. Trust the void. True or false, Alex? Sam will probably take Scotty Barnes with picks four through six. Sam, don't care. Uh, that does seem to be a popular name um, among in, in the Thunder world, but I'm going to say false, Andrew. False. No. Yeah. No. I don't know that Barnes is like... That's something we have to keep in mind, and this has come up with um, a few guys, is that like they will take the highest upside swing. That's what will happen. 
Like if you're trying to figure out like, what is the Thunder going to do? Who's it going to be? Like, tell me which guy has the higher upside. That's probably who they'll take. Like that's, that's probably what will happen. Uh, some people are like, well, what if they're gunning for a playing spot? Maybe they'll take whoever. Like, like no. <laughs> Distrust the void. Distrust the void. <laughs> you can stop. You can stop with that now. Because I just don't. I think they will. I mean, they listen. They thought they had Paul George and Westbrook coming back, and they still took Darius Baisley, right? Because yeah, sure. he's the highest upside swing. They traded for Alexei Pokushevsky. Why? Because he's the highest upside swing, right? Yeah, so I feel like you can already cross out like Corey Kispert, uh, Davion Mitchell. Like there's already some guys projected in the lottery that you could just cross out because it just doesn't really make sense unless the Thunder, it's a new era, you know? Maybe they'll they'll zig again. But I don't think I so. I mean, this is just last the last draft where they took 19-year-olds, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 Chris Duarte thing, Chris Duarte shooting guard from Oregon, six six combo guard, really interesting player. Uh, he turns twenty four. He's out in twenty four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, where is he projected? Well, the, he's projected in probably the twenties, but he was. Uh, Sam Vecini thinks he got a first round promise. And so people are like, oh, it's got to be the Thunder then. They're the only team that ever makes promises. It's like, I don't know, guys. Like, they're not taking a 24-year-old. Like, he, like, the guy's almost, uh, he's four years older than Poku. Like, over four years older than po- than Pokushevsky. Like, yeah, he'd be one of the veterans on the team. Yeah, he'd be one of the older guys on the team next year. I just, I mean, maybe they take him, maybe they really like him. Maybe they see it with him. But, like we have, like he's not a high upside swing. If he was, he would have been drafted four years ago, right? I think he's a super senior. He's twenty four. Good, good lord, the guy's still in college at, you know, almost twenty four years old. Move um, on. Yeah, move on. Move on with life. Retire. The game of basketball <laughs> has almost passed you by, Chris Duarte. <laughs> uh, let's see. A Stern thirty five. The Thunder had been healthy during the twenty fifteen season but we still lost to the Warriors. Let's say in the conference finals, do you think the Thunder would have been more aggressive during the trade deadline the following season when we just added Randy Foy, especially considering <laughs> the 2016 Warriors looked even better up to that point? Do the Thunder have more of a profound sense they aren't the Warriors at, at the Warriors level and need to make at least one more push? Well, 2015, that was the year where they were super aggressive because that's when they went and traded for Deion Waiters and Ennis Cantor, right? Yeah. So uh, at that point, I don't know what else they could have done because they gave Cantor that max deal in the summer. They yeah. weren't going to be able to make another big move. I think they just, I don't know. I mean, we can debate this, but those moves in retrospect, very important. For we've talked about it, like the Spurs series in particular, but they did limit that team's upside in some ways as well, specifically yeah. with with the Cantor deal. Yeah, I I don't know. I they were still so close to being the Warriors that year, so I can't just be like. I mean, maybe maybe one per, more piece makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and there and. Maybe, 
with those other deals, it's like that one piece is going to have to be pretty a pretty small piece. Yeah, I I don't really know about that. Uh, Billy Mays underscore Mount Rushmore. Should OKC throw a bag at Gary Trent Jr.? No. More no. realistically, what about Taylor Horton Tucker? No. no. <laughs> if you say if you say no to both those restrictive free agents, what do you expect OKC to do with their cap space, considering that they have a ton of money this summer? Thanks, guys. Love the pod. I expect them to use their cap space in order to acquire more assets. That's what uh, I expect. Yeah. Oh, ask. Because I have a point, but ask one of the questions about uh, Michich. Michich. Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, Grayson Wilbanks, would you place a bet on Michich being traded on draft night? I think it's possible because we could use him as a sweetener to move up in deals to get the guy we want if we don't get the best scenario one and five. With Chicago already interested, I bet they aren't the only ones. Uh, so yeah, so a report came out, uh, two days ago that the Bulls were interested in trading for Mitchich. This was from Euro hoops and actually it was from Mozart sport, a Serbian site shared by Eurohoops.net. And, uh, someone, I went to the Bulls subreddit and there was a Thunder fan in there asking like, what is a realistic trade? Cause we have no idea. And it was so funny. The number of Bulls fans who were like, we will sign and trade you Lowry Markinen." Right now, please take him. We don't want to see him ever again. <laughs> and like, and so it started making me think, like, okay, if if they're going to have to spend their cap space on someone, is would there ever be any interest in Lowry Markinen? Would you ever have any interest? He he's twenty three. He shot yeah. over forty percent from three last year. He's younger than Chris Chris Duarte. He's younger than Chris Duarte. I mean. Would you be interested at all? Uh, I'd have moderate interest. I'm not real interested. No, no, no. But you'd you'd have more interest in Porzingis. Only in a certain scenario, like not not just not in any not. I wouldn't do the deal today. I don't know if if they got the number one pick, I'd be more interested probably in Porzingis. Also, yeah. like we've seen Porzingis actually be good in the NBA. We haven't really seen that from Larry Markinen. Uh disagree. I've had Larry Markinen in fantasy, and he has had a few two week stretches during his <laughs> career that were pretty great, Andrew. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not super interested in him. You know, he he he'd probably be fine with the Thunder. Like he'd probably be pretty good if they get him to take a bunch of threes and if he made a good percentage. Cool. But he's kind of been a fake three-point shooter the last few years. What? How can you know? I looked it up because I couldn't believe it. He shot 40%. If you do per 36, Andrew, he's shooting 40% on eight attempts per game. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Now you're into him. Okay. Deal done. No, I'm really not. Um, I just don't think they're going to get a first for Mitchich. I mean, we'll see. Maybe someone's really into him. But... I, I'm I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. Because I'm it's it not a huge red flag to you that the fan base that has watched his entire career is like, get him out of here. Like we we have no interest in him. Like, why uh, would you give up anything of value for that guy? One, I'm not sure Mitchich has a ton of value. He didn't have a ton of value last summer. Let's see. If he does, then yeah, it's different. But also, the Bulls have been like one of the most dysfunctional franchises over this last past half decade. 
So I wouldn't trust their fans. You're making you're asking me to trust like Jim Boylan and and Billy Donovan and mm-hmm. how they how they've played these guys and developed them. Yeah, I I don't know if I, if sometimes but sometimes fan bases are like, oh my gosh, they're using our guy wrong. Like this guy's actually good. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of the last last season with Markkinen. And I, mean, I not, paid so little attention to the Chicago Bulls this past year. I just can't even tell you. I'm not saying I would do it. So far off the radar. I'm just saying if you had told us last summer that this mm-hmm. random throw-in of the Al Horford trade could potentially net you someone like Lowry Markkinen, we would have been like, oh, wow. That's a little bit more than I would be expecting. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. What do you pay him? You have to pay him. What do you pay him? Uh, $12 million a year. Three years, thirty-six. If you can get more than that, go get it. Yeah, I'm just kind of out on that. He's a he's a pull you to the middle guy. I feel like if they get if they got the first and fifth pick, then I'd be more willing to do it. I'll say that if they get the if they get the one pick and not even one and five, if they just get number one. I'm more willing to look at deals like that. Well, let, let me ask you this, because they're going to have to spend their cash space on something. We we went through all the guys, like how they probably have, you know, I mean, they don't have to. No, I, I know. But they even showed it this year that they wanted to get to the salary floor for some reason. Sure. When yeah. they didn't need to. They gave Charlie Brown a deal. So we already talked about how if they take at least three guys in this next draft, they already have eight guaranteed contracts. So you, now you're at 11. So you have a few spots that you could add money, would you rather that be a contract for a young guy like a Larry Markin and who maybe you don't like, maybe you don't want to give him a ton of money, but you got to spend it. So why not give someone like that? Or would you rather just trade for one of these albatross contracts, not pay or not play the guy, not pay him. <laughs> yeah. Not pay him. Get in, him. Not get in him. trouble with the league. <laughs> yeah. Not play him. And just to have a contract that w- would be movable in a larger deal if you need it. Oh boy. I think I would rather just acquire additional assets via giant contracts that teams are trying to get off of. Yeah. I think that's what I'd I'd rather do. It's so weird because there's there's less and less of those these days. Yeah. Like like are they really just like classically bad? Yeah. Teams have gotten better. Teams have gotten better. And also the years thing has helped that there's not as much as many years. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's see. Um, ben Elephant King. What does the enjoyment of a young and upcoming team turn into misery and despair of an underachieving contender? Mm. Uh, when will Memphis become Portland? When did Boston transition? Boston's the most interesting one because it always felt like everything that was happening these last couple of years was gravy. It was like, oh, we have mm-hmm. these two awesome guys and Brown and Tatum, like they're not even mm-hmm. going to reach their peak for another five years, but we still have this like good team. And then it seems like this year it just dropped off a cliff. Meanwhile, like if you just ignore the last three years and we're like, oh, we just have this young up and coming team, then you would feel great about it. Like if you yeah. didn't have these last three years where they were bringing in Gordon Hayward and Kyrie and it was just your building towards the playoffs with this young team like this year would have been really exciting just to like make the playoffs. 
Like, oh, this mm-hmm. is Tatum's first year in the playoffs. Oh, 50-point game. Wow. So it whereas like with Memphis, that's kind of right where they are. Mm-hmm. Memphis is scarier to me, though, because as much as I like Jaw, you need someone else for this story to be significantly different over the next couple of years. And I still don't know who that is. Whereas at least with Boston, I know you have Brown and Tatum. They're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Whereas like, it wouldn't shock me if Memphis didn't make the playoffs next year. It wouldn't be unbelievable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. People are hyped about Memphis, but yeah, there's, there's potential for mediocrity there. It's still be, it's, it'll still be fun for another two years, probably. It's just all about when do expectations hit, right? Yeah. And when do you when are there unmet expectations? So with the Thunder, it really wasn't until they were bizarre because they just exceeded our expectations every single year. From like the second year they made the playoffs, the next year they made the conference finals, the next year they made the finals. Like it was just absurd. And then they had injuries that like cut yeah. those expectations off, like the Westbrook injury, uh, the Kevin Durant foot injury. Was it so for, what, 2014? But Serge Ibaka got hurt. Yeah. So it was always something that was keeping them from like really being that disappointing. Uh, but yeah, it was all. It's but it's all about expectations. Once you have like a. I mean, I think the expectation for Memphis will be there to make the playoffs next year. Absolutely. And if they, and if they don't, that's when it's like, oh my gosh, like what are we doing here? Right. Like why why didn't we tank another year? Why didn't we do this? Or why do we, you know, it, that that's where it will be. And if you meet those expectations, great. For Boston, it was, you know, conference finals again. Like let's get back to the conference finals. Let's let's see if we can make some noise. And it was evident all season that they weren't going to get there. And then when Jalen Brown went out, you know, it was it's not good for them. Uh, okay, let's rapid fire some of these. Al, Benelva King also wants to know, uh, what does Houston do with Wall if they get Cade? What should they do? Well, there was that report. I don't know how reliable of a source this guy is, but Evan Massey who writes for Forbes, he had a report this week that the Knicks would be interested in Wall, not as their first choice, but like as a backup plan. Ugh. Which like, sounds like old def- Knicks. They definitely have the Knicks. space. They definitely have the space. And if I was Houston, I would, like, if you can have them. Like, you don't even have to give us anything back. Like, throw us a second. We don't care. Because it yeah. would free up so much for Houston, just in terms of playing time, like if they if they do land a top five pick and get one of those young guards, you just don't want to be giving minutes to John Wall next year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if that is true and it doesn't work out for the Knicks, where they get you know Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, and they are like, well, we need a point guard, let's go get John Wall. Man, that would be great for Houston. Why would you do that? Why would you? Why would John Wall ever? John Wall should not be an option for anybody. Andrew, you got to build. Can you imagine if the Knicks miss the playoffs next year? You got to keep this momentum going. Yeah, John Wall is certainly the ticket there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grooms 512. Do you think the Thunder have the youngest roster in the league next year? He talks about trading Horford, of having Mitchish on the team. You know, do you think they'll be the, the youngest roster in the NBA next year? 
I think yes. Uh, I'm anticipating Mitchich won't be on the team. I anticipate Horford will be. And uh, I just think, like we mentioned, like even if they take three rookies, like the average age is going to be pulled down so much. <laughs> it's going to be very, very young. Yeah, I think Horford won't be on the roster. Um, I don't I have no. I have no feel for the Mitchich situation. But I don't think Horford will be here. We shall see. We shall see, Andrew. Um, they've always just been able to pull it off, you know, with everybody. So I'm just like, it. It's so so obvious that this is what they want to do. Uh, so I don't. I don't think they would make it so blatantly obvious that this is what they want to do if it wasn't even on the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, AM's 35. We all actually kind of answer your question about the Memphis rebuild. Uh, Dort is the goat wants to know, is there any future for Moses Brown in this team? I love his hustle. He brings, but as more of a traditional big man is hustle going to be enough. I mean, if, if like Andrew says, Horford is not here next year and, and you don't take Evan Mobley, like, yeah, it's probably Moses Brown is your starter. And I think even if you do bring in like a starting caliber center, I still think Moses Brown is going to be the backup center. I think I think he's the first choice out of like Tony Bradley and anyone else we've been talking about. Rob Moose. Yeah, I was thinking just bringing Moose back just as like for fun because he likes us so much. You don't want him to play? <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> See, I like him. I liked him playing. Like I thought he was a great like auxiliary piece for the guards. Like he was he was always in the right position, could stretch the floor, like a respectable floor spacer. I just yeah. I liked that. I I prefer to have a sh- some kind of shooting. Like you need shooting around Shea, especially if he's going to lead the league in drives. Uh I don't know that Moses is exactly the guy that I want being the the guy there. I think he'll be back, but uh, yeah, of depending, those, on, depending on what the team wants to do, like I'd rather, I almost rather play Moose. I think it's better for the development of those guys. Well, let me ask you this: of those non-guaranteed guys, Deck, Roby, Moses, Charlie Brown, Tony Bradley, who do you think is the most likely to get a guaranteed deal? Maybe Roby. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I actually would say Moses. I think Roby. Hmm. I mean, look at the guys that they pulled in the Clippers game. Like Roby was one of them. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not basing any opinions on that abomination. I, I I totally am. I totally am. Like they didn't play Baisley. Like they didn't play the guys they knew would help them win that game. Yeah. I think I think Ro, I think Roby because he's versatile. Like he's got some stuff. I think he's like a good guy, like a, a versatile player off the bench that could play either big position that you can just throw him in there and you don't feel horrid about it. So who would you put number two on that list, Deck or Moses Brown? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I might put Deck next just because I think they want to – I mean, they they had to go through a lot <laughs> to get him here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to go through a lot, a lot to get him here. And I think he and he's more versatile than Moses too. Like Deck, the thing about Deck is that he's super strong positionally. He's really smart, 
and he can guard he can guard lots of guys. And to me, that's valuable. The offensive game, I just have absolutely no clue like what he could possibly be as an offensive player in the NBA. Like that worries me. There's ten post ups uh, per game. Yeah, he's gonna back guys down from the three point line, right? <laughs> like, I just, yeah. uh, see, I just don't know, man. I and then like Moses. I think he's six around. I think probably all three of those guys are back. I would probably say. Um, so that's probably where I'm at on those. Uh, let's see. A Thunder fan twenty two asks, "How do the lottery balls actually work? I know there's some number system, but I've never understood how the numbers are split." I looked it up. It is. There are fourteen balls. They are numbered 1 through 14. Based on 14 balls, you can have 1,001 combinations of those balls. When you have 14 teams, you assign a certain number of combinations based on the odds to those 14 teams. So, for instance, Mm -hmm. the Thunder, I don't know what the number would be, but let's say that of those 1,000 combinations, they'll get... It's like 120 combinations, I think. It's around 120. Yeah. We get a hundred combinations. So maybe one of the combinations is like one, 10, five, six. Okay. And if, if that lands, then that means that the thunder get the number one pick. So then yeah. they take those 14 balls. They pull the first one. It's going to have one of those numbers on it. And they do that again and again, four times. And so that's why if you read some of like the behind the scenes, right when they pull that first ball, certain teams know like, Oh, that's a good first number because we have a lot of combinations where that number is the first number. Yeah. And then as you continue, eventually have a four-digit combination corresponding to one scenario of those 1,000 scenarios that it could possibly be. And mm-hmm. and it's weird because there are 1,001 scenarios and they only assign 1,000 scenarios because it is possible to land that 1,001 first scenario and then they yeah. just redo it. They, uh, they throw it out. Yeah. And yeah. So there, there are like scenarios where they throw stuff out too. So if a... The combination of the, let's say the Cavs got the number one pick, like that combination. If they're pulled for two, they throw it out and do it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they do that for the top four picks as they draw these combinations. Is one of those combinations yours? Cool, you get it. If it's not, you know, it goes to somebody else. Uh, I would so much so, yeah. prefer to watch that instead of the envelope opening. Yeah. Because we would all know what our combination numbers were. <laughs> and that would take this like take it to like this next level of crazy with it. Yeah, it would. It'd be so much fun. And then you would land a number that it turns out they need to throw it out so you have new life. Like that would be yeah. so much fun. Yeah, it would be wild. And so there's a third party person that Oh, Nate Bjorkren is fired. Huge surprise. Huge surprise. Nate Bjorkren's out in Indiana. Oh, wow. Uh, Rick Carlisle going back. Why are you saying that? Why, is, why do you think Rick Carlisle's leaving? <laughs> because the Mavs suck, man. I'm so like, okay, I, I, I'm doing some trivia, Andrew. Yeah. The, the Mavs haven't won a playoff series in a decade. What coach GM combo would ever survive that. They've had the same GM coach combo for a decade. They have not mm-hmm. won a playoff series. That has never happened in the rest of the NBA. One of those two guys would get fired for any other team, yeah. but but we can't bring it up with Dallas because it's like, well, Donnie Nelson and 
and Rick Carlisle so good. They are good. Are they? They haven't won a playoff series in a decade. <laughs> I would argue they are not good. And I would rather a- I'd rather find another a different GM. I just think finding a really good coach is not an easy task. And if Carlisle wants to stay, then I would keep him. I don't know. When you're running the Luca offense, is it really that is it really going to be that difficult? Just br- just bring a D'Antoni to that team. D'Antoni's so old. Why do people keep bringing that up? He's like seventy. No, but he's young looking. He has yeah, he has youthful know. energy. Yeah, yeah. The Mike Dan. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just that. saying, Dallas. Why should they be comfortable with this failed duo that hasn't been able to win a playoff series in a decade? Do you know how rare that is in the NBA? If you look at the other teams who haven't done that, they're like the worst franchises in the NBA right now. <laughs> they're the absolute worst franchises. You're in conversation with the Kings. And other by the teams way, haven't the, made the playoffs, though. The Suns just got off that list by winning a yeah. playoff series. So it's fewer sure. and fewer teams. Like you're down there with the garbage and you're like, well, the grass might not be greener on the other side. It's like the grass is brown on your side. The grass is dead. You haven't won a playoff series. <laughs> stop, being, oh. stop being happy with mediocrity, Andrew. I think, I mean, obviously it's been a roster. To me, it's been a roster issue the whole time. Well, then find the Donnie. Decade. Sure, fine. Find somebody else to do that. If you need to find somebody else. I just wouldn't fire Rick Carlisle. I think that's, I think that's silly. Um, let's see. J S N D V S. In 2014, Sam drafts Jokic instead of Mitch McGarry or Josh Eustis. <laughs> How does this change the Thunder history? It becomes better. Well, when the, so in that scenario, they still draft Stephen Adams. Huh? What year did we draft Stephen Adams? Thirteen. Okay, so we would have already drafted Steven Adams and then we draft Jokic the next year? Yes, then Steven becomes our Nurkic. Yes, and I bet we that's what you, would happen. He would always play before <laughs> Jokic. He'd play before Jokic for a while until we actually figured it out and then we trade him to Portland. Yes. And Mason Plumley is on the Thunder. Yes. And we got okay. a first-round pick in that deal. And we got the first. So yeah, that's that this is exactly good. what happens. This is exactly what happens. J S N D V S. Uh, let's see, Michael on sports. Say we get Kaminga at five as our only pick next year. Uh, who of these three start? Poku, Baisley, or Kaminga? He feels like Shea and Dort are the only starters that are locked in. Uh, I bet Poku starts at the three. Ooh, okay, okay. So, throw him out because he is locked in <laughs> and wow. at the okay. four um i bet they still give it to Baisley over kuminga i bet they bring kuminga off the bench in that scenario hmm. that, that would be my guess hmm. what, about deck? Chance. So, what about deck so what about deck what about deck <laughs> uh do you, this is tiger hawk 66 can any team in the west beat brooklyn no. Tuger McStain, do you feel any team? Nope. <laughs> Tuger no. McStain. <laughs> just want to say that if he actually had the exact same question. Uh, Dan, the Thunder fan, Lou Dort has 
has to be the best valued two-way guard in the NBA right now. If OKC drafts Cade Suggs Green, what type of player would you use Dort to trade for? Or does his contract make him untouchable? Uh, I don't know if he's untouchable, but uh, I, I definitely think the price should be high if you're ever facing that scenario, which it is an yeah. interesting scenario. If you do end up with two top five picks and it just somehow works out that you draft like a Suggs and a Jalen Green, like, I don't know, maybe we need to start playing Dort as our uh, power forward, start power forward, see how he holds up. Because I don't know where he's going to get a ton of minutes in that scenario. But otherwise, yeah. I, th- I think it'll be fine. Like if you just get one of those guys, I think Dort is still a long-term piece. But it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting scenario if it happens. Uh, Kiwi can't Reddit. Have you started your deep dive into this year's draft yet? Who are you waiting to? S- are you waiting to see which picks we end up with first? So uh, Patreon.com/slash OKC Dream Team. Uh, Michaela and I are doing the, our draft breakdowns. We've done two. We've done. Uh, Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, we will do two more this week. So you can go check that out. Uh, Inspiron21, what's your all-time Thunder lineup? Assuming any player who has worn an OKC shirt is at their peak. I think the only interesting part of uh, this lineup, because I think, you know, Paul George, Kevin Durant, locks for their peak. I think uh, Russ, I mean, I guess you you could make the argument for Chris Paul, especially if we're talking about like their their peak. But why don't you just play them both? uh, Because I would have Russ and uh, Indiana Pacers, Victor Oladipo. Oh, interesting. And then I would probably do do Russ, Chris Paul, Paul George, Kevin. I think the center is the most interesting one. Serge, probably. Oh yeah, peak, peak surge. Peak surge. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Ooh, that's a good lineup. Who's beating that team out of the West? Andrew. Utah? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Uh, let's see. Uh, How long are we I'm, going? I don't know, man. This is really long. There's so many questions. Holy crap. Maybe uh, maybe we use these for Friday or something. All right. Yeah, we got to end this. This is too <laughs> long. Uh, hope everybody's doing all right. We will have another pod on Friday. Hope everybody has a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.